the treacherous three MCs. The nucleus of the treacherous three MCs is Kumo D and LA Sunshine. These best friends since elementary school grew up together in Harlem in a neighborhood that encompassed a three to four block area called The Hill. There were three or four active DJ crews on The Hill. Kumo D latched on a DJ Reggie Reg and LA Sunshine latched on a DJ Easy Lee. This four man crew called themselves the Fantastic Four. MC Spoonie G was always hanging around, but he was a little too shy and scared to rap at the time. But the more that he saw LA Sunshine and Kumo D get down, he was willing to join the crew. DJs Crazy Eddie and Dano B were also affiliates. So Kumo D, LA Sunshine, and Spoonie G started in about 1978 as the Treacherous Three. Spoonie G happened to be the nephew by marriage of Bobby Robinson, owner of Enjoy Records, which was a soul and doo-wop label back in the days. Bobby Robinson, witnessing the rap phenomenon back in the late 70s, was looking to cash in. Just across the way in New Jersey, Sylvia Robinson, no relation to Bobby Robinson, was also looking to cash in. She was an ex-R&B singer and a label owner herself. But before Bobby Robinson got a chance to record his nephew, Peter Brown, who owned and operated Sound of New York Records, snatched up Spoonie G for a solo record. Spoonie said he wanted his whole crew to be down, but when it was time to record, he couldn't find them. So he recorded Spoon and Rap alone. Spoon and Rap, which was one of a handful of the first rap records released in 1979, was a hit. It would even be licensed the next year on Sylvia Robinson's Great Rap Hits on Sugar Hill Records. Spoonie's departure left the treacherous three one man short. Kumo D was classmates with Special K, an MC who was developing a fast rap style similar to what Kumo D was experimenting with. They had been rhyming together in school, and Kumo D invited Special K to join the Treacherous Three. In 1980, Spoonie Wood signed with his uncle Bobby Robinson, along with the Treacherous Three. They released a two-sided hit, Love Rap and the New Rap Language. This 12-inch single was different from other 12 inches of the day in a couple of ways. First of all, most rap singles at the time had a vocal version and an instrumental on the flip. There was no instrumental here. Two songs on one 12-inch. The other thing that made this 12-inch different was that it became a breakbeat itself. Besides Catch the Beat by T-Ski Valley, not many early rap records were actually used as breakbeats. But the drum pattern on the love rap played by the late Pumpkin was so infectious, it was like it was made for DJs to have two copies. The love rap featured only Spoonie G. Its flip side, the new rap language, featured the Treacherous Three with Spoonie G. They would split the proceeds amongst the four of them equally. The love rap was almost like a part two to Spoon and Rap. Spoonie G was in player mode, doing his typical bragging and boasting about how good he was with the women. But his flip side, featuring the Treacherous Three, was a chance for Kumo D, Special K, and LA Sunshine to showcase their new fast rap. Kumo D tells me that the genesis for his fast rap style came from him reflecting on a rhyme by Kid Creole of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. In the rhyme, Creole was talking about his brother Melly Mel, and he said, Melly Mel, my flesh and blood, is busy being a joint. 
And Mo D said, man, why didn't he continue that? Like a flurry. So Mo D being the scientist that he was with words, continued that flurry and created his own style. This new style of fast talk was adopted by MCs all across the country and later the world. The fast rap style has been twisted, flipped, and added on to everywhere. From the West Coast to the Dirty South back to the East Coast. But the genesis lays with the new rap language by the Treacherous Three. So Spoonie G went on to have his own solo career, which was very successful. And you can check that out on my Spoonie G lesson. But the Treacherous Three in 1980 released their first record with the lineup of Special K, Kumo D, and L.A. Sunshine. That record was called At The Party. L.A. Sunshine tells me that musically At The Party was based on Daisy Lady by Seventh Wonder. But the bass line was altered a little bit just to avoid any kind of copyright infringements. Those who are lyrically inclined or who listen for lyrics could catch early on that the Treacherous Three was a special group. The poetic value was evident right out of the gate. Because the new rap language was a new style, it was really hard to catch the poetic value. But At The Party really gave the listener a treat and put the Treacherous Three on a different plateau from their contemporaries. Not many MCs were doing metaphors on rap records in 1980, but the Treacherous Three were showcasing a superior level of lyricism from the beginning. Their second single was called The Body Rock. The Body Rock is another special record. For a couple of reasons. The body rock is basically the baseline to get up and dance by freedom. Slowed down. But the real special part is that in addition to being sampled many times, most notably by Mariah Carey decades later, the body rock which predated Rockbox by Run DMC by about four years was officially the first time that rock and rap merged. This fact is rarely mentioned because most hip-hop historians start history sometime around 1983 or they only pick out maybe Rapper's Delight, Planet Rock, and The Message as relevant rap records that came out before 83. But all one has to do, again, is listen to the lyricism of Body Rock, listen to the music, again, by the great Pumpkin Rest in Peace, and check out the guitar work which were all years ahead of their time. If you were around and you remember the summer of 1981, then you'll recall that Tanya Gardner's heartbeat was the summer record. 
The tradition in early rap records was to take a hot record in the street, which DJs call breakbeats, and replay them in the studio with a rap group performing on top of the track. Both the bands at Enjoy Records and Sugar Hill Records were accomplished seasoned musicians who sometimes replayed the tracks better than the originals. This was a part of the appeal and magic of those early rap records. Heartbeat captures the flavor of Tanya Gardner's original and puts that youthful spin on it that all of us early hip hoppers love. As with At The Party and The Body Rock, once again, The Treacherous Three was showing a level of lyricism that was quite rare at the time. I was 11 years old myself when I heard Heartbeat, and one thing that distinctly stood out was Special K's verse. I knew even early on that this group was lyrically something different than most of their contemporaries. The last and probably least successful record that the Treacherous Three did on Enjoy Records was Put the Boogie in Your Body. This song was released in 1981 and interestingly has two versions. The rarer version is musically based on Flashlight by Parliament. Treacherous 3 had a great run on Enjoy Records. Releasing five singles, they probably had the most fruitful career on Enjoy as far as the number of singles released goes. I failed to mention that Heartbeat also became a breakbeat. There was a breakdown part that many DJs, notably Charlie Chase, would spin behind his MCs. LA Sunshine tells me that one day he was at the Enjoy Records warehouse and he was going through some records and he saw the paperwork for double platinum sales on Love Rap. He said he did not see a platinum plaque, but he did see the serial number for one, and it denoted double platinum. Again, that's not far-fetched, as many DJs had double copies of Love Rap just to spin that break. In 1982, the Treacherous Three signed to Joe and Sylvia Robinson's Sugar Hill Records. Their first release was Yes We Can Can, which was based on Yes We Can by the Pointer Sisters, which is another popular breakbeat in the streets. Yes We Can was a solid debut release for the Treacherous Three on Sugar Hill. It was a politically charged rap record that talked about life in the Reagan era, and it proved that the Treacherous Three were more than just lyrically braggadocious. Again, if you were around in 1982, you will recall the summer anthem by the Daz Band, Let It Whip. And again, following that tradition of taking a hot record and converting it into a rap record, the Treacherous Three created Whip It. Even though Let It Whip was a hot record for the Daz Band, and definitely the dominant record for that summer in a smash, every record is not easily converted to a rap record. The Disco 4 also attempted to convert Let It Whip into a rap record with their whip rap. Whip It was an okay record, but it was not received with the same love as their previous releases. A couple of interesting points about Whip It. 
Even her hardest critics will admit that Sylvia Robinson had an ear for hits and was a genius at arranging records. But not every decision of hers was necessarily a successful one. When Sylvia and the group were listening to the post-recording of Whip Rap, Sylvia suggested to Kumo D to go in and do that fast rap thing that you used to do back in the days. Kumo D very reluctantly told her, hey, that's played out. It's been a couple years since we did that. You have to remember, in rap, everything moves fast. It's like dog years. What was hot two years ago can be totally unacceptable two years later. But Sylvia told Mo D, look, nobody wanted to do the message. I got Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five to do the message, and it was an international hit. I know what I'm talking about. Go in and do the fast rap thing. But when Sylvia Robinson suggests for a group to do something, the group does it. So Mo D went in and laid down his fast rap on the intro. Very reluctantly. Another interesting decision that Sylvia made was after the recording was complete, she invited the group to come take a listen. She had tweaked a little something. What she had actually done was add Felipe Wynn, ex-singer with the Detroit Spinners, to the bridge of the song. Felipe was now a solo recording artist on Sugar Hill, and Sylvia had had success merging Tito Fuente's drumming with the Sugar Hill Gang's rapping previously, so she gave it a try. And the group hated the results. And I believe the listening audience also questioned the decision as well. I remember I was scratching my head upon first hearing it. Nineteen eighty-three, the pivotal year that I speak of often. Pivotal because Run DMC dropped Sucker MCs and it's like that and changed the landscape forever by stripping out all the instruments and just rapping over the drums. Well, Kumo D had those thoughts as well in 1983, but he was beat to the punch. To some degree, technology prevented these rap artists from producing what they consider authentic rap records like what they did in the parks and what they did in the clubs. In the parks and clubs, they were rapping over actual recordings, the breakdowns of actual recordings. But because of copyright law and lack of technology available at the time, they had to replay these songs. For the Treacherous Three's 1983 release Action, Kumo D wanted to combine the song Action by Orange Crush, which very ironically is the song that's the backdrop for Sucker MCs by Run DMC, and it's actually played by Orange Crush. Mo D wanted to combine action with UFO by ESG. So Mo D felt a bit of frustration in 1983 as a result of action not really having the kick that he wanted. It was sonically an excellent record, and the band, as always, did a great job. Doug Wimbish, Bernard Alexander, Ed Fletcher, Keith LeBlanc and company always come through, one of the tightest bands ever. But there's an organic quality that's the result of rapping directly over records and it can't be reproduced by a band. That's a very important point that has to be stressed because it speaks directly to the so-called golden age of the late 80s and why the production of that particular era and the sampling techniques that were used made it the golden era. But that's another lesson. But for Mo D and the Treacherous Three to have these ideas back in 83 showed that they were forward thinking and producers within their own right. Part 
The Treacherous Three were one of the more consistent groups as far as releases on Sugar Hill Records. Their next 1983 release was called Get Up. Get Up was a dope record, but it suffered from the same thing that many rap records suffered from in 83, and that was Run DMC. There was a musical shift happening in the game, and many records fell by the wayside as a result. 1983 also brought one of my favorite records by The Treacherous Three, and one of their least talked about. It was called Turning You On, and it was musically based on Pleasure of Love by the Tom Tom Club. The Tom Tom Club was just a mashup of great musicians. Musicians from the Talking Heads, Funkadelic, all put in a pot and stirred together. Of course, they bought us Genius of Love a few years before. But Pleasure of Love picked up where Genius of Love left off, even though it was more of a minor hit. The Sugar Hill Band did an excellent job of recreating Pleasure of Love, and the Treacherous Three were doing almost a seductive love rap over the track. But these cats are so lyrical that even their love rap comes off as hardcore. This was a record that was lyrically dope, the beat was dope, and the way that the rhymes were formatted and the cadence was something different for the time. In the land of funk, where the D-Day grows, the rapper can try to perfect his show. Cause it's the place to be if you want to party and get hot. We're letting you know. We'll turn you on. The flip side of turning you on was UFO, and it sounded like an attempt to cash in on the electro craze and the vocoder craze that was taking over the nation at the time. Nineteen eighty four would bring the Christmas rap, which was part of the Beat Street soundtrack and was performed on the Beat Street movie. It was also many people's introduction to Treacherous Three's friend, Dougie Fresh, who dubbed himself the original human beatbox. All right, listen, Blodo, with your big fat suit. Next time, say no, don't send no substitute. Because I asked you for a beatbox, and you know what I got? Dougie Fresh, you know that kid from down the block? Christmas rap was a dope record. That part of Beat Street was a dope performance. Dougie Fresh's beatboxing was dope and before his time. And again, the Treacherous Three is so lyrically ahead of their time that one could forget that it's even a Christmas song. Nineteen eighty-five would bring the last Treacherous Three song delivered on Sugar Hill Records, and one of the last songs period delivered on Sugar Hill Records as they closed up shop in 85. Along with Busy B's Groove the same year and Step Off by Grandmaster Melly Mel and his new lineup of the Furious Five, these were three Sugar Hill records in 85 that could contend with the new crop of MCs who were just about to spring up. Gotta Rock and its flip side, Turn It Up, is an important record on multiple levels. A paradigm shift was happening and this record, which is not often talked about, was part of that paradigm shift in a few ways. Reason number one, 
it's obvious by the choices of samples and replays that I talked about previous that the Treacherous Three were producers within themselves. For God of Rock, they combined the drum pattern from Rocket in the Pocket by Sarone and harmonizing borrowed from Queens, We Will Rock You. And lyrically, they opened the door for the next school that was about to bust through later that year. Each MC delivered a blistering verse full of similes, metaphors, and unconventional rhyme patterns and cadences that made this song like a roller coaster ride. This song is for the listeners. The lyrically inclined picked up on what was going on in this record. Reason number two, the flip side, Turn It Up, is the birth of Kumo D's solo career. For those who caught the graffiti rock battle between the Treacherous Three and Run DMC, noticeably absent was L.A. Sunshine. L.A. Sunshine had grew frustrated and disillusioned with the politics of the record business. L.A. Sunshine tells me that he got so disillusioned that when he came on the premises of Sugar Hill Records, security was alerted and things almost got physical between him and management. So at this point, L.A. Sunshine was effectively not a member of the group. That's why you see Kumo D and Special K battle run in DMC on Graffiti Rock. Same thing goes for the studio session for Turn It Up. L.A. was out of the group at this point. Kumo D tells me that Special K showed up to the studio, but his rhyme was half-hearted. He didn't put his all into the rhyme. So it appears at this point that everyone was pretty much disillusioned, but Kumo D kept going. So he erased K's voice off of the track, and he appeared on his own. Around this time, Kumo D was doing a style that would be the birth of Rakim's style, the birth of LL style, and many more MCs to come later in 85. Even Special K's brother, Tila Rock, was obviously influenced by his brother's group, and certainly by Kumo D. But Turn It Up was a success. DJs played Gotta Rock, and they flipped the record over to Turn It Up and found out that they had another gym. Kumo D had also written a song for the Sugar Hill Gang called The Downbeat. It was performed by their new member, Corio after Master G left. Again, it was obvious even in Corio's version that Mo D wrote the rhymes, and again, he was doing that style that gave birth to a lot of MCs in the mid-80s. Mo had his own solo version as well as the Sugar Hill Gang's version. Around this time in 85, Kumo D's solo career was taking shape. Songs like Do You Know What Time It Is were originally recorded at Sugar Hill Records with just Mo D programming a drum machine. 
When Moe D signed with Jive Zomba a couple of years later, those songs would reappear a little more polished. The Moe D solo career is well documented, and that's another lesson. But it was born on Gotta Rock and Turn It Up in 1985. In 1994, DJ Easy Lee released Old School Flavor on his imprint, Easy Lee Records, based out of Atlanta, Georgia, distributed through Ichiban Records. This was Modi united with LA Sunshine and Special K. Old School Flavor was a solid album with all three members having their own solo song featured. The Treacherous Three is truly an unsung group. Not only did they make feel-good party music in the early 80s, they set the bar extremely high for poetic value in rap records. Amongst that handful of first recorded rap groups, they have one of the most extensive discographies of any. But it was the emphasis on enunciation, metaphor, and other poetic techniques that set the Treacherous Three apart from the rest. And every MC had a part to play. Kumo D is the technical lyricist. As he said in one of his solo songs, he builds rhymes like skyscrapers. He's an architect of the rhyme. Special K is a metaphor master. He's a wordsmith. He puts together words perfectly. He's the co-writer on his brother Tila Rock song, It's Yours. He's the MC that made me want to get a thesaurus in my early days as an MC because I wanted that extended vocabulary like K had. And L.A. Sunshine is the party starter. Kumo D said of L.A. Sunshine, he's the one who makes it work live. He said the Treacherous Three couldn't work live without him. Modi says you can't have five Rock Hims on stage. You have to have somebody with presence that gets the party started. L.A. Sunshine says of himself, I may not have the best rhymes, but I'm going to have the best performance. And my performance will make you think that my rhyme was the best. The Treacherous Three. They're in the DNA of every lyrical MC who came after them. And this is Jay Kwan. MC, DJ, producer, hip-hop historian. Check my website, The Foundation, for more information on Foundation-era MCs and DJs. That's THAFoundation.com. Hit me up on social media at JayquanVA. That's J-A-Y-Q-U-A-N-V-A. Email jayquan at jayquan.org.